0: The financial needs of a business go beyond tax and attest services. That's why CTBK goes beyond accounting services and offers outsource solutions through their affiliation with CFO Solutions Plus. These additional services allow clients to focus on their operational and long-term strategic goals. Trust CTBK's outsource solutions to provide cost-effective, value-added financial services tailored to your company's needs. Call CTBK at 716 716- Six three zero twenty four hundred. Again, seven one six six three zero twenty four hundred. Or go to ctbk.com to learn more about CTBK's outsourced solutions.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty happy it's over. Uh, Let's move on.
2: Were you surprised at the level of intensity of the crowd? That's about the loudest I've heard this place ever. <laughs> 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 really. After, after uh, it only took seven years of me leaving for them to uh, get into the game. But, uh,
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there was mixed, uh, you know, it was a nice tribute. And, uh, you know, um, there was plenty of people here that were supporting me, and there was plenty of people here that were booing me. So uh, they must just be booing me because they wish I was still here. I don't know. Um, You know, it is what it is. I mean, I'm not the first kid to deal
2: with it. So just move on, and, uh, yeah, it was a tough game. You know, give them credit. They played hard. That
0: was from last night. Jack Eichel speaking at Key Bank Center after the Buffalo Sabres, his former team, defeated the Vegas Golden Knights 3-1, holding Jack Eichel off the score sheet, and captured through the lens of WKBW photographer Tony Jones. Joining us here on Tim Graham and Friends, brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and Business Consultants, is Matt Beauvais, Sports Director at WKBW Channel 7 along with my usual co-host, Jonah Bronstein of the New Bronstein Times. And uh, all three of us were at the game last night. uh, But I think what we just saw in that clip probably eclipses what happens on the ice uh, uh, last night in which Peyton Krebs scores the first goal, Alex Tuck scores the last goal in Jack Eichel's homecoming. But I wanted to have Matt on so we can all discuss... That clip and the power of that clip uh, in really either changing a narrative. I've seen quite a bit on social media, people who were maybe even a little on the fence regarding Jack Eichel, and now, well, that makes up their minds or cements what you did think of Jack Eichel. But um, I I guess just to to get into it, Matt, uh, take us into that moment um, last night afterwards with with Jack Eichel and, and the fact that this is going to go down as an iconic Buffalo sports clip that
1: people are going to be talking about for generations. All right. So backstory here, we're sitting outside of the Sabres media room because that's where they were doing the interviews. Joan and I were standing next to each other and everybody is waiting for Jack Eichel and a reporter who covers the Vegas Golden Knights basically comes to the group and is like, I don't think we're getting him. I think we're done which is, you know, ridiculous. Everybody's there waiting for Jack Eichel. So Mike Harrington from the Buffalo News, he essentially starts asking, why are we not getting Jack Eichel? That's who everybody wants to hear from. Eventually, Vegas, they go out, they get him. I'm sure he's miserable. He's annoyed. There's probably a reason they weren't just bringing him out anyway. He probably We were the last people he probably wanted to talk to, especially after losing. Like, it's probably an easier case to get him out there to talk if Vegas wins the game four one and he has a couple of assists or he scores a goal or whatever, but he doesn't, he doesn't really do anything. So finally he comes out. He's the last person we talked to. And when he said it, it was kind of one of those things. I think Joan and I were standing next to each other during this part. It's one of those things that you think you hear it, but you almost double guess. Like you're like, did he actually just say that? Because I can't believe he did. So before I, you know, throw it on social media. I wanted to listen back to it before I posted it just so I didn't get any of it wrong because I knew if he said what I thought he said, it was going to blow up. So it's like, okay, let's wait five minutes here. Let's watch it back, get the exact quote, and then we'll post it in a hundred percent. I think going into this game, he said all of the right things from the PR standpoint, like, the, you know, somebody was in his ear. Hey, make sure you thank the city. You have no hard feelings. And I'm sure to an extent he feels that way a little bit, maybe about the city. But I feel like last night we got the answer that everybody really wanted to know. It's like, what do you think of the way this ended? And I don't think he's necessarily happy. And it's also probably the first time in this guy's life that he's got booed nonstop. He's always been the best player. He's always been the hero for so many people. And last night he was the villain. And like Jonah said, this was a full heel turn. This is like WWE 1990s. Like, he comes out of nowhere, he takes down the good guy, and then he gets on the microphone and tells everybody that their city stinks and that this guy stinks and everybody stinks that likes him. And that's what Jack Eichel did last night. And I commend him for being honest. I still can't believe he said it, but I do give him credit for speaking his mind. We don't get that all the time when we're talking to these athletes.
2: Well, I didn't really perceive it as a heel move, although I can see how Sabres fans and Sabres media and Buffalo – would take it that way just to clarify one thing i don't think we were standing next to each other you were kind of standing in front of me elbowing me out stepping up <laughs> yeah, exactly. it hard for me to get the proper audio um and i was hiding in the back because i forgot my mask so i had my notebook over my face the whole time i like, was doing this with his notebook yeah, yeah yeah but um what well, one i mean i don't know if jack eichel didn't want to talk and I, my sense was that the pr people were trying to protect him and weren't going to put him out there anyways or were hoping that they could get out of town without having him speak to the media after a loss. But when he got there, I mean, having, and you maybe have been there more than me, I've seen Jack Eichel when he didn't want to talk and specifically when Jack Eichel didn't want to take questions from Mike Harrington and some of the reporters that were there every day. And I didn't get that sense from Jack Eichel. It seemed like he had something he wanted to get off his chest. He, he thanked us after the media session, which doesn't always happen with, with players. So I, I feel like he did want to express himself a little bit. It seemed like he was, hurt by the reaction that he got. I don't know if he was aware that a few nights earlier, Sam Reinhardt and some other forward savers were in town and didn't get that kind of reaction. They didn't get booed at all, I don't think. And so I think that he was, I think he thought that he said the right things at practice on Wednesday and that he's been complimentary of the city and the organization and that he wasn't, that he, maybe he'd get a mixed reaction, but he wasn't going to get the full-throated boos. And then, as you mentioned, I give him a lot of credit for being open and honest and giving us an authentic moment because we don't get that from athletes a lot these days. Jack Eichel was one that maybe would say one thing and his body language and his facial expressions told us something else. And it really felt like we got an honest look into how Jack Eichel feels about the Buffalo Sabres and the way his time ended here and that he was a little bit hurt and miffed that Buffalo fans don't love him the way that they used to before.
0: I wasn't there. So let me just say that for the record, I was in the Sabres news conferences. So I was behind the door where you guys were out there waiting for Jack Eichel. Um, But let me try to maybe blend both of your perspectives into something that makes sense to me. Uh, And that would be that Jack Eichel did pull the punches and say all the right things as Matt mentions. Um, But then he got the reaction that he did and maybe he was being calculated. Maybe he was trying to be as, cordial and diplomatic as he could be heading into that game to diffuse any kind of ill will. Uh, I think that the Sabres did him a great favor with the video tribute that they showed during the first commercial break. It was very much tug at your heartstrings material. It opens, I don't think coincidentally, with uh, a little girl from the Best Buddies uh, charity, that Jack Eichel worked with so closely during his time here for people with developmental and intellectual disabilities. And a little girl, you can't boo a little girl. And then as soon as they, they go to the Eichel highlights, they start booing the hell out of him. And then they intersperse back and forth between his charity work that got him nominated for the King Clancy Award. He did, a, he did great work in, in Buffalo, community charity, fundraising, and then they started blending it back and forth. So by the time you get to the end of the video, it was a polite standing ovation. And then when the game resumed, it was back to booing the piss out of him. Um, but I, I can get the impression, just as somebody who's been around athletes for you know 30 years, that he may have gotten to the point where, you know what, I, sh- I pulled punches. I could have said all kinds of things all week uh, to ESPN, to the Buffalo media, to the Vegas media. And now these guys are going to boo me. Well, well, let me get my shot in before I leave and, uh, and let, and and let's, you know, let me kind of try to even the score because this did hurt my feelings. Um, And then, so yeah, he comes out there and as Jonah says, did have something a point that he wanted to make.
1: I appreciate, and like I said, I, to an extent, appreciate the, not even to an extent, I absolutely appreciate the honesty I also don't necessarily agree with what he said. And maybe in his minds, that's the truth. But he was like, this is the loudest the building has been in seven years. That's not true. They went on a 10-game win streak while you were on the ice and you were the captain of the team. And the place sounded like it was 2005 all over again and people were losing their minds. This is also the same fan base that filled the arena to watch a rookie scrimmage and see right. Jack Eichel for the first time there. So to paint it that way, I thought was a little bit of a cheap shot at the fan base. And I don't think he you know, really has a ton of ill will, like I'm sure in the moment yesterday, he was probably heated. I think at least my read on it is if Jack Eichel has frustrations with how things ended, it's 100% directed at the organization and at ownership and it's not directed at the fan base because I do truly believe that he liked and enjoyed his time in Buffalo. Obviously, he probably thought he was going to get a different reaction than he did yesterday. Somebody asked me before the game, hey, do you think people are going to boo? you think people are going to cheer? And I was like, people can do whatever they want. If they're paying for a ticket to come to the game, like nobody buys tickets anymore, so they might as well get to do what they want. And that's what they did. And, you know, like you said, during the video, it was the polite standing ovation. And then every time he touched the puck, people lost their minds. And uh, it was his job to try and shut them up by scoring a goal or doing something, and he wasn't able to. And that just kept making the boos louder and louder
0: it was great for the fans to have a villain uh, because when your team Mm -hmm. is at the bottom for so long, and even though the bills and during their playoff drought, yeah, you had Tom Brady uh, who was clearly the villain, maybe the villain of all Western New York sports villains, but there's nothing you can do about it. Um, And the Sabres for 10 years haven't really been able to get a villain, except for obviously the Bruins. There's some guys on the Bruins you love to hate, but Michael injected a feel to that arena that hasn't been here in, in so long. And I, we had the luxury last night uh, of um, Marty Baron and Brian Duff in the press box last night, because they weren't broadcasting the game. The game was on ESPN plus. And so I had the ability and Marty even came down to talk to John Vogel and me a couple of times to point some things out and, you know, checking on, you know, Hey, what was, <laughs> he wanted to know what the, uh, the number was for Krebs to score. Uh, You know, the betting like what was he? He was like, yeah, he scored you like we should have known, you know, and he comes down. So I had a chance to talk to Marty, who's there every night. And I said, what was can you compare this? And he went back to the 10 game win streak. That was the last time. So he agrees with you, Matt. Um, And you're right. A bit disingenuous uh, that uh, of what Jack Eichel had to say and was probably digging a little bit out of his feelings uh, to say what he did. Um, But it was fun. And I'm glad that I had a chance to see it uh, a few weeks ago when I covered uh, the Islanders game and the Senators game. Because if I had just shown up for this game like I did for the Athletic last night, you know, with because I'm mostly covering the National Football League, um, I wouldn't have had a, a, as good of a comparison. I would have been comparing last night to the teams that I covered, um, yeah. you know, the, the Brewer and Drury teams, you know, the Lindy Ruff teams, the hashick teams, you know, and I would have thought, eh, pretty good you know, I mean, you know, sorry to see such a small crowd, but compared to, you know, getting a taste of that Ottawa Senators game where there were 4,000 people there, it was night and day. And I think an eye opener uh, to some of the young players on the Sabres roster as to what this place can be when you give the, give the crowd what they want.
1: Yeah. And I mean, those nights, the regular nights when we're at the games, you know, Jonah and I have been there a handful of times this year and it's, the pin drop line is not even fair it's it's quieter than that it almost feels like you're standing in awake and there's just some ambient background noise going on and it's what's happening on the ice and to compare it to like last night was not the craziest night from any standpoint attendance wise sound standpoints or anything like that but even though do we know the official attendance tim do you have that Twelve thousand four hundred something 12, okay, so 12,000. So we're still talking about like 6,500 basically empty seats. It felt like there was a full arena just from the atmosphere there. But obviously, when you just kind of open your eyes, you realize that. So it makes you wonder, like, what would it have been like if the place was actually full? And I do think, though, that this is something that this team can kind of latch on I feel like last night, the entire Sabres group kind of knew what this game meant for all of these different reasons, and they used it as motivation, and it ultimately worked for them. Now, I don't know if they can bottle that up every single night. You can't manufacture these storylines 82 times a season. That's just impossible to do. But, you know, it did show, I think, Sabres fans that maybe they are trending in the right direction because they've got some young pieces, and the two main protagonists that came back in that Jack Eichel trade were probably their two best players last night, and then there's Rasmus Delene. So, like, I feel like this was kind of what Sabres fans needed And I also feel like Sabres fans got closure last night because they were ready to kind of turn the page on everything that happened. And he came in, he didn't score. I definitely thought he was going to score. I was looking at the betting lines before the game. he was like plus 155 to get over a point or something. I was like, oh, that's a no brainer. He's absolutely going to do that. Well, he didn't. Sabres win the game. He makes those comments afterwards. So I think for the majority of the fan base now, they're probably like, hey, see you later. We'll see you next year. Hope you missed the playoffs. We're just going to focus on the Sabres now.
2: You got a fan base that has been rather emotionalist for the season and throughout much of the past year. And I don't know if some of these people that came to Boo really did it out of pure hatred for Jack Eichel. But -hmm. I think they wanted to feel something and express their fandom in a way that they haven't really had the opportunity this season. And this was the perfect storm of Jack Eichel being back in town and ESPN here. It felt like a moment as much as a game, and then the Sabres delivered on the ice and kind of allowed the fans to feel like fans again because not only has the building been empty, but it's been very quiet all season long. It just doesn't seem like people have been into, even in the times when the Sabres have played well, they haven't really been that energized by what's going on with the franchise in the past year.
1: I called one of my friends who went to the game last night when I was leaving the arena to head back to the station for the 11 o'clock news, and he told me before the game he spent $49 on a ticket, and he said before the game, he's like, I cannot believe I am spending $50 to go watch the Buffalo Sabres. Like that is the level that we're at. Remember in like 2010, if you could get a ticket for $50, you were running into that building to sit in the last row. And you were like, wow, what a deal. I can't believe I got the ticket. So he spends $50 to go see the game. And he's like, I can't believe I'm spending 50 bucks to go watch these guys. And then I called him after the game. And I was like, wow, that atmosphere was crazy. He was like, that's the most fun I've had in that arena since the playoff days. He's like, it was so worth the $50. I'm so happy I was there. So I think the 12,000 fans or whatever it was that were there probably had an unbelievable time. And then I think even if you were just watching at home or wherever you were, people really enjoyed last night. And it's been a long time since Sabres fans have got to really enjoy a game, especially a game that mattered to the outside world. Like when I got home last night at midnight, I turned on ESPN. It was like the second story. It was like Ben Simmons goes back to Philadelphia, and then it was Jack Eichel goes back to Buffalo. And I'm like, whoa, like that's weird. We're normally not talking about the game. Yeah, it's like we're not normally talking about the Sabers. So yeah, and it was uh, it was the perfect storm, poetic justice for Sabers fans, is what I said.
0: How about this, Craig Anderson's 300th win? We haven't even mentioned that.
1: (laughs) I know goalie
0: to win 300 games. You know, so I guess that gets you in the Hall of Fame, right? I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm being tongue in cheek. I'm saying that, but he is only one win behind Mike Richter and two fights in the second period, uh, which I use the phrase at that point, it felt not as much like a catharsis game as it was a bloodletting. There was just like open, open our veins and scream to the sky. You know, this let's get rid of this tank era. It is now officially over. And then of course, you know, I, I mentioned it earlier, Krebs with the first goal and, uh, and two minor penalties, by the way, I, 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 I took a little while to come up with the name, but I finally called it the Michael oh, Groshek yes. hat trick uh, to uh, a goal and two minors. And uh, and then Alex Tuck with the empty netter at the end from a tough angle, by the way. Yeah, uh, it was it was a hard empty netter to score. Um, I I, I want to ask you, Matt, about the, the again. Let's go back to the clip from a journalism standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um you're, you get lucky sometimes, right? Um, yeah. In that you, uh, your, your videographer, uh, Tony Jones, sets up where he did, and Jack Eichel happens to say it to your side of the scrum. Uh, you know, I'm reminded of the famous uh, uh, Muhammad Ali photo where he's standing over Sonny Liston with his glove raised, and that was taken by the legendary photographer, uh, Neil Leifer. Uh, and on the other side of the ring is one of the most decorated photographers of all time, and he is standing there with his camera, like, under his chin because everybody's back is to him. He's missed the shot. He didn't – Neil Lifer just happens to be there at the right moment, clicks it at the right time. Uh, again, I'm not saying that this is, uh, you know, this would uh, – this is going to go into the Smithsonian <laughs> or anything. But uh, it, it's, it's pretty cool that you got – that Channel 7 gets that shot,
1: right? Oh, 100%. And it was actually a conversation we had before the game because I was talking with one of our bosses, and I basically asked him the question, listen, I have my opinion on this, but I want to get your opinion. Are we, are we done hearing from Michael? Like, how big of a deal is it after the game? And the conversation we had was, if the Sabres win, we're going to focus on the Sabres. If the Golden Knights win, we're going to talk to Michael, no matter what and just as the you know you're in the building and the atmosphere starts to play out the plan actually was not even to have tony come to the game the plan was for it to just be me and i was just going to pick whatever side i thought we needed to be at luckily we were able to make it work that Tony was able to come in. So we kind of had both of our bases covered. So we had a camera in the press conference room so we could get Tuck and Granado and those guys. And then we had Tony out in the scrum and I was kind of bouncing back and forth. So as you know, we finally find out that Eichel's going to come out, you shoot out there to the scrum. And because, you know, Mike's asking the question off to the right and he makes that look where he says, right. And then he's looking right at the camera. It's the perfect Tuckles. angle he laughs and now it's a meme and everybody's using it for different reasons as they should, cause it's a great clip. So yeah, it's, it's a hundred percent one of those things where you just get lucky and you also realize like what he said and how, you know, people are going to have an opinion on that no matter what you're going to have an opinion on that clip. So you got to make sure you put it out there. So it was fun. I've uh, my phone has been buzzing nonstop for the last, whatever it is, 12 hours or so.
2: And I want to, make special shout out and mention that we all benefited from Mike Harrington insisting that Jack Eichel come out and talk. He was very demonstrative about it and, you know, had to request and insist several times or it would not have happened. And none of us would have gotten that quote or that clip. And there really wasn't much backup there. And, and then when it happened, everybody said, well, this is wonderful. This is great. This is everybody's lead quote and lead clip and lead story. But it almost didn't happen that way. They almost left town without Jack Eichel saying anything and we only got what he said beforehand at practice which wasn't as colorful and wasn't as interesting and didn't fit the narrative of the game story quite as well so good on the old newspaper journalist for making sure we got what we needed
1: and i and i will say i thought at the time before he came out that it would have been telling if he didn't come out like i thought that would have been relevant if he did not speak after this game the pr staff for vegas knew we were all there to get Jack. He knew that people were going to want to talk to him after the game, and I think they were trying to protect their new star player after what was probably an incredibly frustrating three hours for him. And just from all three of our time covering the Sabres, Jack Eichel is one of the most competitive humans that I've ever met, and he does not take any loss well and I cannot imagine what was going through that guy's head after losing to the Sabres and just being booed nonstop from the time he was on the ice for warm-ups until the time the game ended and just everybody going at him. So I'm sure he was livid, and the PR staff was probably like, "Now nah, we're going to send out this defenseman who you need to use Wikipedia to find out who he is, and we're going to have him talk about Jack Eichel coming back to Buffalo. And then finally, once Mike was able to get Jack out there then he went off and he gave everybody what we were all looking for. It's not even what we were all looking for. I just think it kind of fell into our lap. I, don't, I was not anticipating that. I kind of thought he would come out and be like, I'm disappointed for how many people booed, but I understand that comes with the territory. I loved my time in Buffalo. It was a tough game tonight. He says I, that, you know what I mean? We're not even talking about this. I wonder if he does that, uh, if Eichel
0: plays for Pittsburgh or Toronto, and has to come into that building more times per season than Vegas does. Mm-hmm. He has to come here once a year. Uh, exactly. And, you know, he can, he can do that and get away with it. He doesn't have to. He can go back off to the Western Conference and, uh, and play his games out there and not have to worry about Sabres fans or, or having hurt anybody's feelings. Uh, I want to ask, Matt, before we let you go, just another journalism question. So as this is happening last night, and you know you have this incendiary soundbite, um what's the discussion like with your uh, news director or your your executive producer however the hierarchy works there at WKBW about what goes in the A block uh, are we <laughs> is this bigger is this bigger than the game or actually you can probably do a a deal where you know you obviously say that the Sabers won 3 to 1 but this is bigger than any highlight this is bigger than Krebs's goal yeah. or or Olafson's uh win game
1: winner so I'll give you a, I'll tell you exactly what happened so my plan was to go to the game and the way that I had our sports cast kind of stacked, that's how we call it, you know, from top to bottom. I knew I was gonna lead with the Sabres and then I had the Bills sign Jay Kumaro, I had Niagara men's basketball in the Metro Atlantic tournament, then I had Niagara women's basketball and then I think I had UB men because they lost. So I have all of these things planned. So basically at 1025, I leave the arena and I call our producer working back at the station. And I'm basically like, listen, I'm blowing up sports. We're going to start with Eichel. We're going to show what happened in the game. And then we're going to go to Eichel. And I, it's just going to be Sabres. We need to let this breathe. We need to give this the time it deserves. Because this is going to be all everybody's talking about. Then we have the conversation. Does it need to be something that I'm fronting in the A block? Or can we just kind of use the soundbite as a tease, part of the soundbite as a tease, to get us to the sports cast. So I think that's ultimately when it ended up happening and I'm running around in a million places so I'm not even going out on set until like 10:18 when I got to be or excuse me 11:18 when I got to be on TV at 11:19. So from the way that I understand it was we used it as kind of like a tease to set up sports and then we built to the entire soundbite in sports and we basically blew everything up because it was I think the way that I teased it before the commercial break in sports was I was like I left the arena with my jaw dropped at what Jack Eichel had to say. And I think a lot of you will be surprised by the comments as well. We'll have those on the other side of the break. So that's kind of what we did. And I don't think that's probably anything earth shattering. I'm sure that was the same conversation they had at other stations around town, but it's one of those sound bites that, you know, it's absolutely going to be something that people are talking about today.
2: Matt, let me ask you real quick, would you, let's say you caught Jack Eichel walking out of the building a quick kind of off-the-record chat, and he said something like that. Would your jaw have dropped? Would you have been as surprised that that was his personal, authentic reaction to the evening?
1: uh, In this situation, is he on camera, or is he just saying... Not on camera.
2: He's telling you what he really thinks, but the camera's off.
1: No, I don't think I would have reacted near... Because I do think that, you know, when there's five or six cameras on you and you're surrounded by 15 people, you might be saying what you think, but you're also not saying it on accident. And I think that he was trying to send a message with those comments. And I think if it was just us having a conversation off to the side, I would have been like, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I know he was probably pissed off that people are booing him, but I don't think it would have been, you know, nearly as big of a deal as it was because of the situation that it happened. in." That's just my read on it. Yeah, right? you
0: get players in those situations. They let their guard down because they know it's not going to be broadcast. They're telling you that because, well, maybe you can use it. They know you're not going to just ignore it, but they know that you can maybe use the vibe of it or have an understanding of where they're coming from but it's not going to be shown on televisions. It's not going to be the number two story on SportsCenter. Um, but Jack Eichel saying that with the cameras is uh, is a huge, huge difference.
2: Yeah, it's something to really appreciate when, when we get that honest, authentic reaction with the cameras going and for the record and to share with the world.
1: And yeah. the, the way the team has been built now – there are some people I think in the Sabres locker room who have given us some pretty genuine answers and who, you know, are pretty good at speaking with the media, but you know, how many times have we all heard, you know, we needed to get more pucks in deep. We needed to take away time and space for the opponent. And we needed to make it more difficult on them and get pucks to the net. And if we do that again, tomorrow night, we're going to have a better shot at winning a game. Like, you know, he could have came out and just given the company line and he did. Ryan O'Reilly script. Yeah, you know what I mean. I need to be better. It starts with me. That's so right. I need to be better. Well, okay, we get it. We know you got to be better. So last night it was uh, it was refreshing, and it was it was one of those nights at the arena that you will remember for a while. Jonah and I were asked after the game,
0: at the bar. we just go ahead and say at the bar. <laughs> we don't need to be you know. Cold. What else are you doing at midnight? Yeah,
1: uh, we oh. were asked
0: by. A, Friend of ours at the bar. What did you think of what Jack Eichel said? And it's and it's funny because I don't one way or the other don't care. I I loved it for me. Like what? what, There's two different answers to that. There's well, it it made my night a lot easier. Um, So thank you, but I wouldn't have said it. But I'm glad he did. Mm -hmm. I'm not. uh, I wasn't too busted up about it. I didn't take it. I didn't take it personally.
1: I Um, well, I mean, I do know that. A lot of fans did for sure, because this morning I walked into I was getting my haircut and two guys that I knew were sitting there kind of, you know, one was getting their haircut before me, one after me. And the same thing. They were like, I can't believe Michael said that. That piece of shit. I can't believe he said that. And I'm like, whoa, people are pissed. I'm like, this is crazy. I can't believe that's what I, I mean, I can believe it, but people are clearly passionate about it.
0: Matt, I know you got to go, and I appreciate you uh, joining us on short notice. But uh, your your video from WKBW, and I, once again, I, I'll give him an, another shout out to photographer Tony Jones uh, for capturing that moment. Um, really cool, and uh, it, it's it's those moments don't happen too often, uh, and so we we should uh, should be grateful for those moments. And as journalists talk about how they come to be, so. I appreciate you giving us a little background on on what goes into those moments and uh, uh, because we're going to be talking about this in Buffalo for a long, long time as Jack Eichel uh, becomes the, the new Tom Brady, perhaps, for Western New York sports fans.
1: Well, Western New York, well, he's the
0: villain. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, we can go down a rabbit hole here, but, I mean, he's up there right now with who? Rob Gronkowski uh, for the hit on, on Trey White. Now that Tom Brady's retired, who, who
1: else you got? Mahomes. Milan, Milan Lucic yeah. for running Ryan Miller, but that's been a while ago. Probably Gronk, unless he ends up signing here. And then I think people will slowly forget what happened with Tredavious White. Mahomes, just because he's been great. Brady, because he's been great. Uh, it reminds any one of his- it,
2: It's not quite, this is probably bigger, but it reminds me of Willis McGahee. When he got traded away, it kind of diss the area on the way out. People yeah. really kind of hated what he said as much as what he did when he was a player. Because some players have been traded away and remain popular. Marshawn Lynch, I don't think, ever turned into a local villain because it didn't work out here and he got traded away.
1: Yeah, it's different. Th- I, and I, I see what you're saying. I totally think that's a fair comparison. It's weird, though, because this guy was the captain of this team less than a year ago. He's been the face of the franchise since 2015. Hell, you could say he was the face of the franchise before he was even actually officially on the team with how everything happened in 2014 played out. So this is a whole new level of hate, I'm sure, for a lot of Sabres fans. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I know Tim was talking about it. He's only going to come into the building once every year. But my God, are those going to be fun games once every year when he does come?
2: Well, and it also shows that as good as Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs can play in the Sabres and maybe could be a better hockey team without Jack Eichel than they were with him, few players have that star quality that Jack Eichel has. Mm -hmm. And that's what he had before he got here and while he was here and now that he's gone. And from the entertainment and interest factor, uh, you know, he's always going to be a compelling figure in Sabres history, whether he's on the team or off.
1: Yeah, it was one of the things that one of the like other layers that we can peel back here was, so we are not, you know, breaking any news here. Obviously, we're starting to talk about all of our stories and our coverage for when Rick Jenneret retires in a couple of weeks. And when Jack came to town on Wednesday before the game, he had a pretty good answer about Rick Jenneret and his time in Buffalo. And he was like, you know, you want to have success for people like that. When you think of the Sabres, you think of Rick Jenneret. And this morning I was thinking to myself, you know, I, I took that clip and I put it to the side for when we're putting those stories together. And I was like, I don't even think I can include this anymore. I was like, I don't think Sabres fans when they're celebrating Rick Jenneret want to hear what Jack Eichel thinks about Rick Jenneret. I was like, I'm probably better off just using somebody else. And like, that's a re- and that's amazing how the dynamic has changed that much. On Wednesday, it was put that clip off to the side and we'll dig it up at the end of the month when we're putting together the story. And now it's like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to use that because I think it's just going to make people mad.
0: Right. It's going to distract people from Rick Jenneret They're just going to be like
1: yeah, mf
0: <laughs> Exactly. Well, Matt, it's I funny appreciate how it. happens.
1: Thank well, you. For thanks this. for having me.
0: And, uh, uh, we'll see you, uh, on the trail. And if not at the arena, uh, uh, down at the owners' meetings in a couple of weeks.
1: Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good weekend.
0: See you, Matt. You know, Jonah, I don't know what your plans are for all the basketball tournament action, but you can watch all the games and all the other sports, too, hockey, pay-per-views, uh, at Amherst Pizza and Alehouse, 55 Cross Point Parkway in Getzville. That's right off of Millersport Highway in the 990. Amherst Pizza and El has a bunch of TVs inside, outside. The weather's changing here a little bit. Uh, consider that outdoor patio an option some days. Uh, they uh, have heaters out there uh, if it's a little too chilly, but we're going to be having some good weather here coming up uh, where it might get into the sixties. Maybe you want to sit outside, get some fresh air, watch the game out, out of doors. Uh, recognized by ESPN.com as Western New York's top spot to watch sports stop in or call for takeout and delivery. 716-625-7100. One more time. Takeout, delivery. Maybe you need to make a reservation. I don't even know if they take reservations. So don't uh, don't hold me to that if you call this number and they say we don't do that. But 716-625-7100. Amherst Pizza Nailhouse. By the way, just underwent some renovations. They were closed for a couple of days this week to upgrade their kitchen and, uh, and the restrooms. So doing some utility work, some upgrades. I don't know what they did. I mean, everything seemed fine to me. But uh, I saw that uh, the owner, John Bona, had sent out a tweet saying that they were going to be closed for a couple of days. And so uh, new and improved Amherst Pizza Nailhouse. Jonah, College basketball obviously is uh, very exciting right now. All the different conference tournaments, um, the big four teams uh, on the men's side uh, didn't didn't fare too well. We didn't really expect much out of Canisius or Niagara in the Metro Atlantic. Uh, UB bounced a little early. St. Bonaventure playing uh, right now uh, as we record this podcast. Um, UB women still alive, doing very well, but um, what's been your general take on the success level after we got used to big four teams having, having a real shot uh, just a few years ago, there was a chance that anybody could have sprung up even, even Niagara or Canisius uh, in their conference tournaments. UB looked strong. Bonaventure was looking strong. Now, do we do we see any of the local teams get into the NIT?
2: Well, you know, the, the teams that were most favored, when we talked about this on Tuesday, the teams that we said had the best chance to win the tournament and win their conference tournaments and go to the NCAA tournament are still alive. The UB women are in excellent position now. They're in the final tomorrow against Ball State, which upset Toledo. So they're going to be the favored team and probably have an excellent chance. They're playing very well. They won by... 39 points today. Summer Hempel became the all-time leading rebounder. They look on their way um, to the NCAA tournament, who I believe would be the third time in the last few years. And so, you know, that's something to acknowledge and celebrate. Some people maybe don't pay as much attention to women's basketball as men's basketball, but this has been a great run that they've been on for several years now and continuing with maybe the best team. And they went to the Sweet 16 a few years back, and this team is as good or better than that team was. St. Bonaventure still Maybe, alive.
0: While, while we're still talking about UB women, um, are we still convinced that this is Felicia Leggett-Jack's last ride with the Bulls?
2: You know, it very well could be. Um, I think that it, it she's very likely to be the new Syracuse coach. Um, I've had it explained to me by some people as a done deal. I don't think it is a done deal because that would mean it's on paper and signed and things could probably change between now and then, but I think there is belief on both sides that Syracuse maybe wants her to be the next coach and that she's interested in that, that that's appealing to her and that the coaching staff and maybe even some of the players will go along with her to Syracuse. But I don't know that it means that it's definitely going to happen because things could change one way or the other with Syracuse maybe changing their mind or maybe Felicia Jack gets a better offer from another school or is somehow compelled to stay at Buffalo. But, there is a strong belief in, in kind of the women's basketball circles in Buffalo that this is the last ride here for this program. But, you know, sometimes I think that that takes away the enjoyment of watching a team like this. There was a lot of talk about where's Nate Oates going and is this program going to survive without Nate Oates a few years back. And I think you kind of let this happen, you know, go to the tournament and see how far this team can go with these players you know, it's going to be the last ride for this team in some ways because some of the players are seniors and they would be graduating anyways. And you let that happen and appreciate what's happening in the moment and then let the changes that come afterwards. And maybe this UB women's basketball team can continue to be a strong program with a different coach or a different, you know, group of players. Uh, But I do think that to answer your question, I do think it's very possible that she's coaching Syracuse next season. And
0: how much whether it's been expressed within the program or you know the her players probably have to have an inkling of this or know that it's a possibility is this something that maybe can can motivate them to help her
2: go out on on the highest note possible i think that and it hasn't really been spoken about if you ask uh coach jack or any of the people or players around there it's all about being all in with this team it, this time and uh, if you ask her about Syracuse they have the right coach for that team right now is what you said after they beat them in the Bahamas but it's also never really been come out explicitly saying I'm not going to be the coach at Syracuse I'm not interested in that position that I'm definitely committed to being the UB coach next year so it's sort of been unspoken but implied that this is the last run I think you know, not having talked to all of the players specifically about this, I think, you know, some of them, Summer Hemphill's a senior, so this is her last run. This is the last ride for all the players in the senior class. I think – Hasn't
0: Summer a- Hemphill been a senior since 2014?
2: <laughs> She's a sixth-year senior. She had an injury red shirt and is now back for the extra COVID year. I think, you know, their best player, DeAsia Fair, uh, is from Rochester and I believe very well could transfer to Syracuse if there's a coaching change that goes in that direction. I think much of the coaching staff here at Buffalo would go with Felicia Jack to Syracuse, um, if not some other players, their freshman of the year, Georgia Woolley. So I believe that maybe there's a galvanizing effect that all of them are in their last run here together at Buffalo and might continue on together somewhere else. And then some people will go on to uh, whether it's playing pro ball or the next stage of their basketball careers, but in college, with players graduating and the transfer portal and I, mean, I guess it's cliche to always say, you know, there's no guarantee about tomorrow. So let's play for today, but there's a lot of that in college sports right now because there's a lot less continuity with teams and rosters and coaches year to year. So you don't really want to look too far to next season, even if you have a younger team and think everybody's coming back because it doesn't always play out that way. It's always kind of not the last ride, but it's always about, the here and now and this year, because who knows what's really going to materialize in the off season and going into next season. And they've been playing great. And maybe that is part of their success that this is their last hurrah and they want to keep it going as long as they can.
0: And then you were, I, I, I disrupted your train of thought as you were on your role regarding all the teams in the big four. Uh, what, where would you want to go next?
2: Well, I just say the only men's team left is St. Bonaventure, which from the start of the season we thought was the best, Local team and had the best chance of making the tournament. They were ranked in the top 25. We thought they were almost a lock for the tournament. Another team with five seniors that maybe is in their last ride together. They all have that extra year to come back. I'm not sure too many of them will, although maybe one or two might take that option. Uh, We haven't been talking really at all about Mark Schmidt being a candidate for other jobs, but last year there was a lot of talk about that. So there could be some change in the continuity with that program or not you know he, he's been here a long time and uh, it doesn't seem to be as much of a possibility this year as it has been in years past but right now they're losing at halftime against St. Louis in the quarterfinals of the A-10 tournament where they were the fourth seed but a lot of people thought they were if not the favorites the defending champs and the most experienced team and kind of the team that people thought was maybe the most tournament tested and, and ready to make a run here in this tournament. And they're at halftime losing against a team that they beat twice in the regular season. And I think that they're probably still an NIT team if they lose this game here, but they're a little bit on the cusp because of just how many Atlantic 10 teams are also in that position and the numbers game. I still think they get in, but they're in a much better position and, and seating potential if they can get to the semifinals and possibly the finals and the, you know, they're not going to be an NCAA at large team, but if they were to get all the way to the final and lose that game, they might be in that discussion a bit more. And when you're the last team out, one of the last four teams out of the NCAA tournament, you're usually one of the top seeds in the NIT and getting home games and uh, have a good opportunity to make a run in that tournament.
0: Um, what about uh, the university at Buffalo men's team and the NIT any shot there?
2: I don't think so. I think if they had gotten to the final, they might have been in that conversation because they would have then had beaten Toledo in the semifinal, which is the best team in the MAC. And that would have been a really good win for them. So they, they finished 19 and 11, uh, lost their last three games, were one and seven against the other top four teams in the MAC. So really just doing MAC pecking order. One of those teams is going to go to the NCAA tournament. Uh, if Toledo doesn't win the MAC tournament, they're going to get an automatic spot in the NIT. Um, so, whether it's Kent State, Ohio, or Akron, all of those teams are going to be in a better position to go to the NIT than Buffalo. Usually, only one MAC team plays in the NIT. In years past, it's been two. Last year, UV was one of the two teams that got in. Um, but they're not going to be three, four, or five. So I don't think you'd UB, maybe they're in that position to play a CBI game. I'm not so sure they have the appetite to do that. They have a lot of seniors on that team. Sometimes you want to keep that run going with guys, and sometimes, you know, the players are ready to move on and start thinking about the next step in their careers.
0: What are your thoughts on Iona losing uh, in the Metro Atlantic uh, tournament? Of course, they looked like, you know, one of the darlings – of uh, the college basketball world with Rick Pitino and their early season success and outside the conference. And of course the Metro Atlantic is a one bid conference. They're bounced out. Um, I guess, can you just, what's the synopsis there of the season and and as, as fun as it probably was at Iona um, and a school that has had success, you know, Jeff, when Jeff Ruland was the coach and, you know, but, it, it's got to be a big downer as, as successful as the season yeah. was. They're probably an NIT team, right? Just because Patino has a, has some cachet.
2: Yeah. And they're the regular season champions. So oh, I right. So they go in right in for that spot and they 25 and seven and, you know, top 100 and a lot of these power rankings. So they're an NIT team. Their season's not over. It's a disappointment and a surprise. They won the tournament last year when they had not as dominant of a regular season. There were a lot of, virus issues and cancellations and things like that and then they pulled it together and they won the tournament and I think people thought coming into this season when they were much stronger in the regular season and they started I believe it was 11 and oh they got to after beating Canisius and they were the first MAC team in 13 years I believe it was 12 years to do that that they were going to be unbeatable in the tournament that they were almost unbeatable in the regular season that they'd take it up another notch and Patino's coaching that nobody would really get them. And I don't think anybody thought that they'd get upset in the quarterfinal round by the eight seed Ryder. They lost by one point. It really probably does look like a situation where they were looking ahead and didn't play their best game. And they got caught um, thinking that they were unbeatable in the tournament and then getting beat. And that created an opportunity for Niagara playing in that four or five game that had they won and they lost, you know, on a, not a last-second shot, but a last-second not being able to score at the end. Um, they they had beaten Mammoth in that game. They'd be playing Rider, a much beatable team than Iona, and, and have an opportunity to maybe make a run to win this tournament. But they didn't get the job done last night. And the Niagara women had won their quarterfinal game and then got beat by Fairfield, the top seed. So they're out. But it was a encouraging season for both of the Niagara programs, even if it didn't end in, in great fashion.
0: What about the non-Division uh, 1 schools? Any Anything we want to mention here before we sign off?
2: Damon Women are playing their NCAA tournament game tonight. They're the eighth seed in the 18 East region and playing at the number one host team. Um, I don't think they put spreads out on Division 2 women's basketball, but they're probably a bit of an underdog there. But what they have going for them is that this is their third straight trip to the NCAA tournament. They have some tournament experience, although two years ago they didn't play, but Coach Jennifer Banker says they got to practice and they were mentally locked in and, and ready to play that game. And this team that they're playing, being the number one seed, is in the tournament for the first time since 1990, and they lost in the quarterfinal of their conference tournament when they were the number one seed. So there's some belief in the Damon program that they might be under and a little bit more tournament-tested and ready to pull an upset tonight. All right. And then you know, Niagara community college plays in an oh, and trip. next week, the men and the women, they, um, both, they have a week off before those tournaments start. And the Niagara community college baseball ranked number two in the country, maybe heading towards number one, their first four games out of Florida. They only gave up one run over 28 innings. So MLB baseball is back. So I guess we don't got to worry too much about college baseball again.
0: <laughs> well, uh, Jonah, thanks for that. And, uh, I'm sure that we'll be talking again once we find out who is coming to Buffalo for the first uh, couple rounds of the NCAA basketball tournament uh, next week. Uh, we'll get a breakdown of those teams and uh, some of the some of the top angles uh, to look for uh, as uh, March Madness begins.
2: Thanks. I'm ready to bust your bracket.
0: <laughs> Thanks, as always, to everyone out there for listening uh, and watching. Tim Graham and Friends brought to you by CTBK CPAs and business consultants. CTBK is more than just a full-service accounting firm. They are one team with an innovative approach to accounting and rise to each new challenge with collaborative problem-solving skills. CTBK goes above and beyond by lending helping hands, in the Buffalo and Niagara community through volunteer work and donations and has partnered up with Victory Sports for 2020 and 2021 to keep kids in the community active. The professionals at CTBK are determined to help individuals and businesses succeed. Whether a large corporation, a small business or somewhere in between, call CTBK at 716-630-2400. Again, 716-630-2400 and see what CTBK's one-team approach can do for you.